0: When Jesus was before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate said in John 18, think verse 38, he says to Jesus, what is truth? Here is Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the judge of the judges, whom Pontius Pilate has, by this time today, he he's already, of course, stood before the King of kings, but yet, Pontius Pilate asks the Messiah in a doubtful, questioning way, "What is truth?" That's been an issue for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. What what is truth? And it's still an issue today. I'm sure you're aware that the Department of Homeland Security has launched a new type of agency called the Disinformation Governance Board. That's its official name. It has become known as the Ministry of Truth, in quotations, after George Orwell's and his book, after his kind of critiquing, prophetic view of what might happen to the earth, that is, that the Department of Homeland Security, the the government, wants to be careful to guide people into truth. The government is concerned that we may not be able to discern on our own, and so they need to be able to correct us, to give us the correct information, to give us the correct narrative. The Department of Homeland Security believes that is under the current administration, their responsibility. Well, I say in quotation marks, I say in quotation marks, luckily, okay, that word luckily, I'm saying in quotation marks. We have truth social to help us. Do you know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about? On one hand, we have The, let's, if I can say, the left, the Democrats, under Biden, Department of Homeland Security, we have the Disinformation Governance Board. And that's sad because it tends to be like this ministry of truth that the Nazis and communism had to uh, squash free speech. But, again, quotation marks, we do have Truth Social. Truth Social is Trump's new media project. It's like Twitter, but it's called what? Truth Social. In a sense, then, in a sense, on the left, you have a group of politicians and people, men and women, that are saying, we know the truth, and we can guide you into the truth. Then on the right, you have the Republicans. Phew. What would the world be without Republicans? Our Democrats? On the right, you have truth social. We're better than Twitter because we give the truth. Is that itself true? Is it true that truth social... Trump's new media platform is going to give the truth. We will get to John 14, 6. My issue with all of this is it's the wrong group of people that are claiming to be giving the truth. Because Romans 1, 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. So anybody that does not know Christ, anybody that is not regenerated and consequently has repented, their tendency is going to not to publish truth, but to what? Suppress truth. And the issue isn't life, isn't left or right, Democrat or Republican. The issue is, do you know Jesus? Jesus. That is the issue. Further, it's it's messed up because who is truly the ministry of truth? It's you. It's you. You are the ministry of truth. If you're in Christ, the Bible says that you do works of service, Ephesians 4.12, that God has given to the church, this ministry, this deposit, this stewardship of truth. It's not the state, it's not any social media platform that can lay claim to automatically and necessarily having the truth. Actually, God has ordained, called, equipped, and mandated the church to be the stewards in the ministry of truth. This is what Scripture teaches. Unbelievers, again, by nature, understand that they have to drink water to stay alive, right? Can you go longer than three days? Probably not. But yet they don't understand that they need the living water of God. Unbelievers understand they need water to stay alive. But they don't understand they need the living water of God. Only believers truly understand that. So this morning, we're going to look at four truths about the ministry of truth. Number one, the first truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. It's the church. By church, I mean those saints, the, the regenerate people of God. They have the stewardship of the truth, but truth itself, fundamentally, foundationally, is Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus has just talked about heaven. Heaven that he'll be going there shortly. Thomas says, Lord, we did not, in verse 5, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Realize the exclusive authoritative statement that Jesus is making. I am. Ego e me. The way, the truth, the life. And there's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to know God. There's no other way to heaven except by Jesus Christ. But right in this statement, he says, I am the truth Jesus Christ is that perfect living self-existing divine real and human flesh supreme revelation of God That's what the truth means Jesus Christ is the authoritative divine self-narration and human flesh of God There are many people throughout history that have claimed to be God. There's only one truly authoritative, supreme, incarnated, divine expression of God. That is God the Son. Emmanuel, God is with us. This is what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the truth. There's many religions, there's many people that said they are the way, or here is the way. There is really one true God in eternal life, 1 John five twenty says, and that's Jesus Christ. This is why you have C.S. Lewis and others have said that when you talk of Christ, either he is Lord, a liar, or a lunatic because Jesus says here I am the way I am the truth I am the life he says in John 5:58 I am meaning going back to Exodus 3:14 I have always existed and I'm the self-existing God so he's not simply a rabbi he's not simply a good teacher he's not simply a philosopher he's either a liar a lunatic or Truly Lord. And the Bible teaches that He is truly Lord. That's why we have, to go outside of John, that's why we have the wonderful book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15, says about Jesus Christ, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, which means He is preeminent. For by Him, that is by Jesus, All things were created, both in heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, or dominions, our rulers, our authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's a wonderful statement. He is before all things. He's always existed. And in him, all the molecules of the whole universe, they are all formed and perform their duty and are glued together by this molecular glue because of Christ. He has and does, it's a perfect verb, meaning he has and he does even right now, cause all things to hold together. In that sense, Jesus Christ is the foundational truth, and the sublime truth, and the invisible truth, and the universal truth. Truth exists because Christ exists, and you would just be... You would be nothing right now if Christ didn't keep you and I together by his very power. Even those that shake their fist at him, even when Pilate said, what is truth? Crucify him. At that very moment, it was God the Son that was keeping the very molecules of his crucifiers together. That is the truth. You have the core salvation truth that Jesus is speaking of in John fourteen six, when he says, the truth is, there's no way to get to heaven to be right with God except for me. It's not by being good, it's not by being Jewish, it's not by going to church, it's not by having a Christian father, it's not by any other means except by faith in Christ. There is a more general, universal truth that everything exists because of Christ, but even for Christ. If you were to go back to Colossians and look at 118 of the book of Colossians, it says, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Colossians 1.18. So that He himself will come to have first place in everything. That is your purpose, my purpose is to give privilege and preeminence to Jesus Christ. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, He's the creator and sustainer of the whole universe. He is the lion and the lamb. He's the judge, the king, the messiah, and the savior of the whole universe. And it's by his pleasure that we live and move and have our very being. That is the foundational truth. That is the, the, the core truth. That's what this ultimately, foundationally means in John 14, 6. Therefore, if you if you look at your notes, therefore, you must know Christ and take shelter in him to have true joy and and happiness. Everybody to have true joy and happiness and well being forever and ever must take shelter and refuge in Christ alone. That's why you have Psalm 2 12 that says those, those beautiful words kiss the Son, lest his wrath soon be kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Psalm 2 is all about Jesus being king. Our response to Jesus being king being the Messiah, being the Lord, being the reason for life, the one that is life and created life, is that we give our devotion, our faith to him and take refuge in him and not in ourselves, and, and and not in gold, not even in the church, not in our family, not in our good works. We take refuge in, not in our repentance. We don't even take refuge in our faith. We take refuge in who? In Jesus Christ alone. Because truly, he is the truth. He created all things. He holds all things together. He rules the whole universe. And even Ephesians 1, 10 through 11, says it's all going to be summed up in him. This is why a person can have three doctorates and be incredibly stupid. A person can have three doctorates and really be incredibly Stupid. They can be a fool. I'm not making this up. This is what Scripture says. Romans 1, professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 21 says, even though they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And you know the rest of Romans 1 all the sin that they engaged in because they've turned their backs on what they know to be true. So what I'm saying that the Bible says is that the fundamental foundational truth is that God is real. God exists in three persons. God the Son, Jesus Christ is real. He's king. He lived the perfect life, died on the cross, a death that you cannot die for all the sinners that would trust him. He rose again. He truly is seated at the right hand of God the Father on high, and soon he's going to return. That is the fundamental core truth. And if people don't understand that and submit to that, then they are very foolish. Because all of their labors, all of their work, all their hopes and joys, and even all their good deeds, literally, it will all go to hell. Literally. Foundationally, Jesus Christ is the truth and every single person and each one of us. Truly, one day, whether he returns or we die, the truth is, we will meet him. Every single one of us. Every boy and girl in this room, my children, your children, will meet Jesus. My mother has met Jesus face to face. And she's with him now. And so will we that have trusted by grace, Christ. I love the words in Colossians chapter 2 that gives the truth about wisdom and knowledge. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, Resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There is a true sense in which to really know, that is to, to know the fundamental core truths you have to know Jesus. He's the inventor of everything. And he holds all things together. So we can know some things. Like I said, we can know the value, and the necessity of drinking water. That, that truth, that's going to last for 80 years in our life. But then we're going to die and see Christ. Do we have the everlasting water that the Spirit of God gives? This is what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the truth. And if you know Christ, then you know hundreds of volumes of books more than the smartest man that doesn't know Jesus. And that's even what David says in Psalm 119 when he says, I know more than my teachers. Second, the, the, the second truth is this. The Bible is the word of truth. The Bible is the word of truth. Believers, you are the ministry of truth. God has given you the stewardship of truth. The truth itself is Jesus Christ. And that, especially, is incarnated revelation of God. Second, the Bible is the word of truth. You can stay in John. When Jesus is given his high priestly prayer... In John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We'll come back to that in a moment, but you can even look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself for proof to God as their workman, who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth and of course we have 2 Timothy 3:16 which says that all scripture is god-breathed that is it's produced by the spirit of god that's what inspired means theonoustos god produced by his spirit this perfect written word of god so this word the bible that we have is the word of truth This is why we say, sola scriptura, scripture alone, because this, your word is truth, John 17, 17, and the truth will set us free, which we'll mention later. This is why, we again, why we say, sola scriptura, because the Bible is not just, an authority. It is the highest authority, and it's not just the highest authority for Christian faith and practice. It's the highest authority that is 100% perfect, infallible, and inerrant in all that it says. There are all other authorities. There is general revelation. that's a type of authority. There's authority in the church. There's state authority, but the Word of God is 100% Infallible and errant, perfect. It is the highest supreme authority that we have for faith and practice. It is the standard. It's not just a standard, it is the standard for believers. Now, it's not a history book and it's not a science book, so it may not use the precise historical term, terms that historians use today, and it's not a science book, so it may not use scientific terms, but when it does speak on history, and when it does speak on science, it is 100% reliable and perfect. It's the Bible that interprets science, not science that interprets the Bible. It's the Bible that interprets history, not history the Bible. History and science can collaborate what the Bible says, but because thy word is truth, because this is a product of God, then it is 100% reliable, authoritative, and perfect in every single area that it touches on. It is truly the word uh, of truth. There are many times, not just recently, but throughout history, science will say, well, this is what science says, so that settles it, like evolution. How many times have I talked to somebody and they say it's a scientific fact that evolution is real? Why? Because science says so. Science isn't the first or the last authority. It's what? The Bible. Not because it's just some religious book that some priest wrote, but rather the Bible claims its self-assertion is that it is the very mind of God. That what God wanted written through the prophets and apostles, he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, exactly wrote what he wanted to be written without error. Psychology is not the first or last word. The Bible is. No human book, even by your favorite Christian, Arthur, is the first or last authority. No conference, even if it's the Grace Community Church, Shepherds Conference, is the first or last word on any issue. It's what? The Bible. No creed, no pastor or priest can give the first and last word, but on any issue that is the supreme, highest, 100% perfect authoritative statement, it's the Bible, it's God's word. Thy word is true. As a husband and father, I don't have the last word. God has the last word in His word. That's why even in the book of Psalms, it says that God exalts His word together with His name. That's what this means when it says, Thy word is true. True, or thy word is truth. Your word is truth. The grass withers. The flowers—they're going to fade. But your word—it will stand forever. All things are going to change one day. Everything is going to be new. Everything is going to be different. The Bible will not change. Jesus Christ is the truth. He's not going to change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so is the word of God. It's truth. Therefore, then how do we respond to this? How do we react? Again, what we said is it's not the state. It's not some social media platform. Whatever the intentions are of both these groups, the Lord knows, but rather, it's the church which is the ministry of truth. What does this entail? What are the dynamics of this? First of all, Jesus Christ is the truth. Second, it, the Bible is the word of truth. It is the written statement. It is the creed of truth. Underneath this, then, the Bible is the word of truth. What do we do? How do we act? Well, just a few ideas. Generally, first, read the truth. Research the truth, relish the truth, resolve to live the truth. These are basic things that you know, but we need to be reminded. Read the truth, research the truth, that means study. Relish the truth, resolve to practice the truth. Specifically, though we know this, we must be careful to always... Discern with the word of truth. That is, always take your, your goggles and put them on your head. And that is biblical truth, theology, and actually knowing Bible verses. Because the world and Satan and even your remaining sin are all going to try to sell you a false narrative all the time about who God is, about who you are or who you are not, about the happiness if you go this way and not that way, about everything is doom and gloom and a lot of crazy lies. So what you have to do is put on the goggles of truth and analyze everything through the goggles of truth. I love my kids when we swim because, well, I never wore goggles that much, but they like to wear goggles because of the chlorine And when they put their goggles on, I think their brains are going to come out of their ears. Their eyes are going to pop out because they take their goggles and they go, they do it super tight. They have these big goggles on and their eyes are, are big. But when they're underwater, they can see everything as it really is. They're able to see. And perhaps that's how we, what we need to do with God's word is just, have God's word goggles and put it on our brains and do it super tight so it never comes off and our eyes are just but then when we're underwater and things seem kind of crazy we can truly see Oh, oh, that's right there's a way that seems right to man but in the end it leads to death yeah the Bible says that if I use foul speech it's not going to be profitable I I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Help me, Lord. You know what? If I obey and honor my mom, the Bible says it's going to give me long days and blessed days. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you never take off these goggles. Keep the goggles on. Another point underneath what do we do knowing the Bible is the word of truth is whatever you do, resist... Creating your own truth. Have you ever heard of that? You, you are your own truth. Create your own truth. You discover your own truth for you. If you truly want joy and freedom, then you should create your own truth. Find out what's true for you, and then use that. Well, that's the philosophy of the world. I think God's word would say, rather, submit yourself to the word of truth. Bind yourself to the Bible. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. How may a young man man, keep his way pure? By hiding the word of God in your heart and living according to that word. So you, you don't create your own truth. You bind your heart and life with God's truth, with the Bible. And when you bind yourself with the truth, actually that's the path to freedom. It's when you wrap yourself with God's word. Actually, you get true freedom and joy. And that's true. Maybe you, you remember the illustration of the fish. Do you remember this illustration about the fish who was swimming in the ocean? He swam for a long time. He got tired. A lot of water. He'd go left, he'd go right, Water. Go up or down water. Cramped his style. Everywhere he went, there was water! And so he began just to, in his mind, I want to be free. I want to be free. Sometimes he'd come to the surface and he would look out and, you know, he could see these humans playing around and running around. Man, they're so free. I want that. So, one time he decided just to go for it. Maybe he could create his own truth. So he got in a wave and let the wave carry him and wiggled, wiggled and swam and thrust and got to the beach and just jumped up and flipped and flapped and flipped and flapped and got about halfway up the beach and took a big breath and died. He was free of the water but he was dead. I hope that illustration gives the point. We can think that, God, you're withholding something from me, like Genesis 3. If, if I could truly go my own way, do my own thing, I would be so happy. You might have a type of happiness for a while, and then you're going to have disaster and destruction for eternity. Bind yourself with the word of truth because the truth is God will bless you. God is a God of love and of goodness and righteousness and kindness. Satan is a liar. Third, there's a third truth. And that is that the church is the support and pillar of the truth. It's the church which is the support And pillar of the truth. And this is why, at least in part, I've said that really it's not the state, it's not the social media that has a claim to the deposit of truth. They are actually not stewards of the truth in terms of being ordained by God for that purpose. Rather, it's you, the church, which has been called and ordained by God for that purpose. Uh, look at First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But in case I'm delayed, I write so that you would know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Isn't that a, a stunning statement? Does it sound backwards? If I was writing this, I would say... The word of truth is the support of the church. That's what I would have written. But that's because I'm not wise. I don't know God's perfect plan on my own. Rather, this verse says, the church is the pillar and support. It is that which is the foundation, it guards, it protects it, it stabilizes, it puts forth, it secures the truth. Certainly, the Bible says, by the word of truth, through the power of the Spirit of God, that the church was created. It is by that word of God that was preached to you that you and I are regenerated. The word gives birth to church, and then that which gave it birth The church has a stewardship to protect it, to guard it, to display it, and to communicate it. So, by church, then, is meant not a denomination. It's not meant a piece of brick and mortar. It's not meaning everybody that comes to our local church. But First Universal, all those that are truly regenerate and saved, born again, they are the support and pillar of the church. And then within that, those local assemblies and the saved that are there, they are the pillar and support of the truth. They guard it, they protect it, they establish it, and they communicate it, and they pass it on to the next what? Generation. So we can say this, it's not the state, which is the pillar and support of the truth. It's not. They don't have that responsibility. And I've heard, and I've addressed at times, when presidents speak and quote God's word, and they misquote it, that's wrong. That's not their responsibility. It's the church's responsibility. Even a family, it says here, It's the church which is the pillar and support of the truth, not the family. Why isn't it the family? Because not all that are part of a family are necessarily saved. When it says here, the church of the living God, it means those that are in Christ. Not that you're part of a group of people, but if you are part of Christ, if you are in Christ, then you are saved and you are a pillar in support of the truth. If you're a part of the body of Christ, then you are this steward of God's truth. There has been a problem in the Dutch Reformed movement throughout history, because if you were part of the Dutch Reformed church, just part of this organization or part of the family that went to a Dutch Reformed church, then what? You were... Saved. I mean, I grew up Southern Baptist, okay? And most Southern Baptist people, at least at my church, if you were white and you were Southern Baptist and you went to church, you, you just went inside the doors, you were what? You were saved. Just like the Dutch reformed, just different names. What this is saying is if you are in Christ, if you have been regenerated by the Spirit of God, then by nature and by responsibility, you are one that stewards the truth. So, as a regenerate person, as a believer, more than the Department of Homeland Security, more than true social, we as a church... as stewards, have a higher responsibility before God and handling truth, the truth. And yes, the Department of Homeland Security and Truth Social are not necessarily saying that they handle God's word. But the foundational truth of everything is that Jesus Christ is real. God is real. The Bible is true. Jesus Christ is king. There's a heaven. There's a hell. And all of us are going to meet God face to face. That is the fundamental truth that interpret everything. And so if people don't understand that and submit to that, then what do they really know now, I heard Trump say recently that true social is, these aren't his exact words, but he did say Christian. He said it is, it has a heavy Christian influence. Maybe. Maybe it does. But I hope the last don't look at truth social seeking to get spiritual fundamental basic biblical truth because that's not it's duty that's the duty of the church of you we have been given a deposit that is the word of truth surely we are stewards of this word of truth now again There is a therefore. You can look at your notes if you have them. There is a structure for this. And that is that a church has pastors. And you can see that in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. But the duties of the pastor are what? Well, there are many, but especially Ephesians 4 that we've covered some years ago gets into this. Ephesians 4.11 says, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Do you see that in Ephesians 4.12 when it says, for the work of service? That word service is the word ministry. Works of service or works of ministry. It is a true biblical fact that if you're a believer, you're a minister. That means you're one that has a stewardship and you serve in a church. All pastors are ministers, but not all ministers are pastors. All pastors are ministers in a sense that they should all be serving. All pastors are not pastor all ministers are not pastors. What do I mean by that? Every Christian is in the ministry in the sense of God has equipped them and called them and gifted them to do works of service, works of ministry. In that sense, then, you, Pilgrim Bible Church, those of you that know Jesus, you are the ministry of truth. God's given you. He saves you. You have Christ, who is the truth. You have the Bible, which is the word of truth. He's called you to do ministry. You have the deposit of truth. In Ephesians 4, all talks about the church growing because people are doing what they're called to do by God, which in some way will involve The truth. That's why it says in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the what? Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love. And let me end this section about the church being the support and pillar of the truth in this sense. Yes, certainly we love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is first and foremost. And we must prioritize our families and take care of our families. Otherwise, we are worse than unbelievers. With that being said, there is a sense, I think, at times we lose focus. That we have a small view Of the church. Something magnificent and marvelous and supernatural is going on in the world, and that happens through what organization or through what group? Through what instrument? Through the church. God does his work through the church. God's plan is not primarily that he works through this political agency, uh, this para-church organization. God primarily works through the church because the church knows the person of truth and they have the word of truth and God has called and equipped and determined the church to be the one that stewards the truth. And I wonder sometimes we can get so, maybe I'll say I, I can get so caught up with my agenda, my programs, my ambitions, my dreams. And I get, if we're not careful, I I can just get very petty. God is doing so many wonderful things through the church of Jesus Christ. Reaching the world for Christ. And we can be so preoccupied with our own kingdoms and plans. We need to be focused on what God is doing through the church. You are a steward of the truth. What are you doing with the truth? And then finally, we'll end with this. The fourth truth, believers are to be truthing in love. So we've said that Jesus Christ is the truth. The Bible is the word of truth. You, the church, you are stewards of the truth. And then finally, believers are to be truthing in love. Look at Ephesians 4.15. Now, my version, and probably your version, says, but speaking the truth in love. If you wanted to, I'm not saying do this. You could take a pen and scratch out speaking. Because there's no word lego or lalao there, there, there's no greek word here for speaking and that's why maybe it's in italics mine's not even in italics i think it should be but it does have a one by it it's just a word for truth and it's what's called a a participle why is that important Because it's not the main idea. The main idea is we are to grow up into him, Christ, who's the head. As a church, individually and corporately, we're to grow in Jesus. How do we do that? By practicing truth and love. Paul pleases at first to provide emphasis. So you could say it like this. We are to grow up in Christ. By practicing truth all kinds of love that's what this is saying believers are to be truthing in love we grow in Christ by truthing and when we truth we do it in love now I, I am not trying to make a a point for truth social I'm not I, I just find it funny and ironic So, what happens on Twitter when you send out a a post? What's that called? You give a what? A tweet, right? What happens on Truth Social when you send out a post? It's called a truth. And Truth Social, at least last week, was the number one app on Apple. I'm not saying it's bad if you subscribe to Truth Social. I think it's ironic that when on Truth Social, if you make a post on it, you're truthing. This passage is saying to grow in Christ by your life and your lips, you need to be truthing in love. But it's not talking about social media, it's saying be honest. Don't be a hypocrite and don't be a heretic with your lips and your life. That is true truthing. Is that you present by your life and by your words the true narrative of the value of Jesus Christ. Because Ephesians 401 says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling by which you've been called. Ephesians 401 and following The main idea is that because God in Christ has saved you in a wonderful and a powerful way, demonstrate that in the church. One of the ways you do that is by truthing and love, by living according to and speaking about the true narrative that Jesus won, that he died and rose again, and he's conquered all power, authority, kingdoms, and evil, and lords. That goes back to Ephesians 1. We walk according to this narrative. Further, when it says truthing and love, it's the idea that we don't live by slander or gossip, right? Truthing and love, first of all, it's the true narrative that Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We live by that and speak out of that. But even as you were to look at the rest of Ephesians, Chapter 4, verse 25, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. We don't live by gossip. We don't pay attention to gossip and and slander and, oh, oh, yes, yes, I'm going to share all that. Yes, oh, yes, 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 I'm going to share it. No, no, but those lies, but the slander, the gossip, I'm going to truth and love. By my life and by my lips, I'm honest. I'm not a hypocrite, nor am I a heretic. I believe what's true about God. And 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Love believes all things. I'm going to truth and love. It's truly kind of like psychological warfare. What I mean is Satan. Right, spiritual warfare is kind of like psychological warfare. But what I mean is that Satan is going to seek to give us a, a false narrative about ourselves, about God, about Christ, about life, about heaven, about the value of following the Word of God, and, and about truth. And even remaining sin that's in with within every believer gives us lies. We're seeking to convince us of this other narrative about God, about Christ, uh, about life. Going back to Genesis chapter 3 with the tree and and the fruit that Adam and Eve ate it goes back to the spiritual warfare principle. And at the core of this is by faith we believe God's truth and we speak truth and we live by truth with one another in our marriages with parenting as children in our church, at work with our neighbors, we have this standard. I'm not going to be a heretic. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to be honest with the truth of God's word and with my life. And when I do this, it's all going to be out of love. It's going to be out of love, even with my enemies, as John was talking this morning. I'm not going to hate my enemies. I'm not going to Because sometimes we can say, brother, open rebuke is better than hidden love. Sam! And then we say all kinds of harsh stuff. Boom, boom, boom. And love. Well, love is, yes, we we do at times speak some firm and some hard things. But love is also kind and wise and and gentle and and patience. Patient and long-enduring and suffers. And is good and seeks to do good to others. This is truthing and love. We live by God's narrative and we seek to be honest people with God, with others, all the time seeking to kindly do good to others. It is not any social media that has the deposit of truth that's been called by God to determine what is true. All oh, that has a corner on truth. Certainly, it's not the state, which we know. First John chapter 5 says, the whole world lies in the lap of the evil one. Who has been given the truth? Who has been given the responsibility to handle the truth? Yes, certainly pastors, but even the church of the living God Even the church, those that are saved, are stewards of the truth. You are. Isn't that astonishing? Isn't that awesome? Do you know, even young men and women in Christ, that you know more than most people in the whole world? If you know Christ, then by God's grace, you have a wisdom that most don't have because you know the truth. Now with humility and love, we live like it. Because you are a steward of the truth, how how do we live? Faith, humility, and courage. Wow. You know, it it seems to me, and maybe it's a little bit redundant, but it, it does seem to me like, of course it's true, we're getting closer and closer to the end of times, but it seems even more so, And God has given us, we few, we precious few, has given to us the word of truth. That's amazing. Why? That we live by it and we speak it for his glory. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, that you would give us this deposit of truth, Lord. Lord, we were foolish, I. I still sinned, but I was going to church and drinking and smoking marijuana and fighting and doing many other horrendous things and vandalizing, Lord. I was very bad, very evil and wicked, but yet you redeemed me, you saved me. I was dead and now I'm alive. And you've given me the truth. And these precious people, Lord, you've redeemed them from many different types of background and given them the truth, Lord. Lord, may we individually and as a local church, with humility, with courage and love, be worthy stewards. May we walk worthy in the biblical sense of this ministry that you've given us. May you be glorified, Lord. We give you praise. Amen.